in a relationship, I am incredibly controlling, um, needy, uh, but I'm also really good at organizing. Um, so it pays off. It gets better cause it has to get better. We're all made of human. Hello there, my name is Sophie Hagen. I am your host and you're listening to the Made of Human podcast. If this is the first time listening, uh, I'm from Denmark. That's the weird accent. And I'm a stand-up comedian and I've had this uh, podcast for a while. I wanted to figure out how to do life uh, turns out no one knows so now it's just me having nice conversations with people where we all just feel uh, less alone with our weirdnesses the uh, noise in the background is a busy london street full of traffic because i'm not shutting the window because it's too hot and i'm sweating everywhere yeah everywhere sweating from all of all of the body so oh, this is the um, this is the Jessie Cave episode and Jessie Cave is incredible I value her honesty so much um, I feel like she's one of the strongest people I know because of how brutally honest she is she's ideal for this podcast she's the perfect guest and I hope you will enjoy it uh, before I let you listen to this episode with Jessie Cave, I quickly want to say, if you go to sophiehagen.com, that's the place to be. That that ugh, that sounded gross. What I meant was, on sophiehagen.com, S-O-F-I-E-H-A-G-E-N.com, uh, you can sign up for my newsletter, where you will then find out when I'm doing shows and where I'm doing them and when I'm touring, etc., etc. And it's also the place where you can buy my shows, uh, Shimmer Shatter and Dead Baby Frog, my stand-up shows about being an introvert and about emotional abuse but they're funny haha <laughs> uh, you can do all of that on sophiehagen.com so please go there and make yourself uh, feel at home I think uh, now I am going to let you listen to this episode with the incredible Jessie Cave the guest today is brilliant uh, and I'm sure you all uh, love and know her already please give a big warm round of applause for Jessie Cave hello hello for the people who um, might not know who you are do you want to give like a quick introduction um hi um <laughs> I, I'm Jessie, um, I do, oh I'm just so bad at this, um, I do, I don't really know how to describe what I do, I basically, I call myself um, an, a doodler, which people don't <laughs> like, it's not a great <laughs> word, um, but I, I basically do drawings um, and I accidentally got into acting and comedy, um, but yeah, so my day job is, is drawing with, with sides. Things. That was well done. Thank you. I feel like your work, all of your work, has the thing in common that it's so much about being human, mm. like the core of being a human, like all the kind of painful and awkward and kind of like, like it's so relatable. The stuff. That, um, Thank is, you. Is that what you're going for? Or well, just... um, I don't mean for that to be the case, but it turns out that I can only do things that are way too honest um, and make me quite vulnerable um, but I, I don't know how to do anything else and actually I only started drawing um, to get back at a guy who had rejected me and I, my drawings were a way of kind of showing him that I could do something that was maybe a little bit funny and if I do drawings about love maybe he'll fall in love with me but it turned out that I just did the drawings and he uh, they were all quite bitter um, <laughs> And so he was like, unfollow. Um, <laughs> so that's, in a way, that taught me a lesson because I'm still drawing and it's like 10 years later and my vulnerability and, and the honesty in those drawings are actually now something that I, I kind of value more than I, and I, than I valued myself when I was being rejected by him. So it's in, yeah, I guess they are very human. <laughs> I, it's almost, I feel like it's a cliche question to ask, but uh, I want to say, is there strength in vulnerability? Like, do you find that it fuels you in some way 
to be able to put these raw emotions out there. I think the strength comes when people say, after seeing something that you've put out there, which is vulnerable, they say to you, that helped me, or I felt like that too. Because then you have more motive to keep sharing and it becomes a healthier way to live because we're all being honest and open about how awful we feel or how scared we are or how rejected we feel. So I do think there is a strength in vulnerability in, in the aftermath. I think at the time, it's terrifying. <laughs> Talk about the, what happened with the rejection. I think everyone has a horrible story about whenever they've been... There's always rejected. one. Yeah. I think there's... I mean, I have, I have maybe a couple of severe unrequited love experiences which like probably lasted like three days in total maybe even you could count up the hours and it would have been like six hours but it 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 just took me so long to recover and I don't it's it, it actually probably the person who I'm who I'm remembering as the rejector is irrelevant really it was about me at the time but I chose to put it all onto this other person and yeah it's amazing how much time I've spent just feeling rejected when actually I could have turned that round and yeah I was it was awful it was I remember, awful I remember my when I was oh I must have been 13 or 14 and I was in love with Mehmet oh he was so cute <laughs> uh, I can say that because I thought that when I was also that age uh, <laughs> now he's an adult still cute but in an adult way and um, and I was I decided I was going to tell him that I was in love with him. And it was the most, like, my heart was beating from the moment I woke up, and I was so, so scared. And he was doing some kind of work experience thing in a sports equipment store. And I was just standing outside, like, oh, okay, I'm going to go in now. And I went in, and I, I asked his manager <laughs> if I could please speak to him in private. Um, and he was like, yeah, sure, he's not doing any work. He's a 13-year-old, like, no one cares. <laughs> And we went outside of the shop and we sat on like a bench in this mall and I was so scared and I'd, I'd phrased it perfectly and I was like, yeah, I, I have feelings for you and um, I'm in love with you and I was just, I was hoping that you felt the same way. And then I was just like, oh my God, I did it. That's amazing. I opened myself. I was vulnerable. I told him. I didn't think I could. And as I was thinking that, I, for, I didn't listen to his answer. <laughs> So he was just looking at me at, like, like someone who had just told someone something. And I was like, oh, can, uh, can you say that again? <laughs> and he was like, yeah, I'm not interested. I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> so I was like double rejected. And I must have looked like an other tool. He was like, I'm not interested. Say that again. <laughs> Still not interested. Mm-mm. Do you want to yeah. try again? <laughs> but do you feel better for, for, for having gone through that and admitting to somebody that... Putting yourself out there, completely putting yourself out there. I think so. I think I was really high on the experience of, of just the adrenaline. Did anything happen with him? Yes, he got married. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) He almost gave me my first kiss, but then I panicked. A few years later, we were playing Spin the Bottle um, with some other people in Berlin on a class trip. And he was, his dare was to go into the bathroom and lock the door in the darkness with me as if that was like a dangerous situation. <laughs> and then he like leaned in to kiss me and I panicked. So I just started talking. I was like, oh, look at your faces right in front of me. Isn't this weird? <laughs> lips, 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 lips. Anyways, yeah. like we're done now. Oh, I do. I, I'm, I'm so, still so awful at commentary. Like when anything romantic happens, I have to like just comment on every item of clothing, the scenery, like what I'm doing with my hands. <laughs> it just completely takes away what I'm doing with my hands. <laughs> just everything, I'm awful. It kills it. It kills it. The amount of time I've been told just to stop talking. <laughs> yeah. And now I should be like, that's wrong. I was told to stop, to, to stop talking. It's a, it's a good thing. I was only being myself. And, but actually, no, I should have been told to stop talking. I was like, <laughs> it's fine. Um, it's an outlet, isn't it, to draw? And so when, once you've... It must, I feel like there's something powerful in your drawings in that you realize that so many people feel like this, that you're not alone with this kind of... I think some of the drawings, I remember thinking, oh, that person is needy, 
and I've been needy. And, this is, and that's one of the most shameful feelings you can have is this, because we're not really allowed to be attached to anyone. We are meant to be like free spirited and I don't need anyone, I don't need yeah. no man. Yeah. So to be like, please text me back because yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm having a breakdown. That's a yeah. <laughs> I think um, I've definitely become more okay with accepting that I'm needy and I... I, I would like you to text me back within three minutes. That's just not, that's not unreasonable. It's, um, so I do have, like, conditions. And I think if you find the right person, they will text you back within three minutes, or they'll know that if you don't, there will be consequences. <laughs> so, yeah, all, I mean, the, um, probably 88% of my drawings are all about not getting a text back within three minutes. Um, and the rest of them are about, like, being passive-aggressive to your friends. Um, so, yeah, I do repeat myself quite a lot, which is like... <laughs> what, are you like what are you like in relationships? Are you in a relationship now? Um, no. No, not really. I mean, you know, just not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, I'm s- that's pathetic. So... Tell us about That's him. Fucking sad. No, it's like literally no one. I've like just like made it seem more interesting than the, the sad fucking truth, which is there is. Can I swear on this? Yeah. Of oh, course. good. Um, there's no one, which is okay. Yeah. Fine. So what what are you like when you are in a relationship? I mean, I'm awful. Like yeah? awful, awful person. I think actually this. I'm I'm basically going through a breakup. Um, it's, it's, I don't know how long you can say going through a breakup for post-breakup, but I think I'm just going to do forever. Um, but it's been, it's, been like, um, it's been like 18 months or two years, but we have two babies together, so it's quite an intense breakup, and we still love each other, and it's you know, a bit weird. Um, but, but it's good. It's a good decision, the breakup. It's all good. Slash incredibly heartbreaking. Um, but so because I'm still kind of in the midst of that, I'm, I don't know how to describe it when someone asks if I'm in a relationship because I'm like, but I, I hurt. <laughs> so what do I do with that? I can't be with anyone else because I hurt. But um, I'm learning other ways. But in a relationship, I am incredibly controlling, um, needy. Uh, but I'm also really good at organizing. Um, <laughs> So it pays off. Um, I'm really good at texting. Um, I want to have sex way too much, which actually is annoying. It's like I'm just a pest. Um, but I am, well, I was fertile. So, I, you know, I had a couple. I got what he needed, and then it's just gone off. Um, <laughs> that's okay. Um, one boy, one girl, all I need. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, so I'm all right. I'm, I'm okay. I get very, very paranoid. But I think paranoid is in my genes. Um, my mum is very paranoid. Like, in a, in a really sweet way. But like if, if, even if we like had a, a minor fight in the house when I was growing up, my mum would be like, shh, the neighbours can hear! Even if we were having a fight about something tiny, she'd get so paranoid they would hear. And, you know, like, so I'm, I think it's just in my nature. To be a bit paranoid. To be a bit paranoid about... Um, and I just have se- severe trust issues, mm-hmm. um, which I don't know wh- where they've come from. Um, but I don't trust anyone, really. Um, <laughs> I, I really don't think I do trust anyone. I don't know where it's come from. I, I mean, I am the wrong person to... Because <laughs> whenever people say that, I'm like, yeah, good. <laughs> Like, yeah. yeah, you probably shouldn't. Yeah, don't trust anyone. It's you crazy. Should, you should never have two people in a conversation who both have trust issues because yeah. they just be like, yeah, yeah. fuck everyone. <laughs> everyone will break you and ruin you. Yeah, I, I just, I don't. It must be amazing to trust someone. I trust my mum. I trust my mum. I do trust my mum, and I trust my sister, although she's a bit of a bitch. Um, <laughs> but she's a, she's a cool bitch. <laughs> Have you never, because I, with my trust issues, I often think back to, like, my teen years and just how gullible I was. And I sometimes kind of miss it. I mean, I don't, because now I know. But were you like that as a teenager um, as well? No, I've always had such low expectation and hope. Um, <laughs> do I, are you hopeful? Are you hopeful? Oh, no. Yeah, no, I'm not either. I'm <laughs> such, such a low hope. <laughs> no, I'm a realist. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
I've always been such a realist. I think because I was an athlete as a child, like I was a tennis player and a swimmer. I was, I, I had lots of, you know, I was drilled to do these things and to get up at 5am and drill and work and, you know, you're going to train your body and you're going to... Uh, and so I think that's... Uh, had a good impact on my development, I guess, because I am very organised and I'm very driven and I'm very... I get stuff done when I want to get stuff done, but it's also meant that I've got, like... Um, I just... I, I, I'm scared of everything because I'm scared of getting told off or that I'm not going to be... The, compete as well as I should or like so I, I feel like that's probably had a big impact on my trust issues when did you start doing athleticism Ath- athlete. well well I don't think I meant to like I've, I've always just fallen into what I'm doing at the moment so like my b- older brother was a tennis player he was quite good at it, and then I was just dragged along so I just and I was quite good at it so I did it and then it was my whole childhood how old were you when you started well it was up until I was about 15 so it was it was from early onwards but I was always doing some form of swimming or tennis or competitive sport and I hate it I hate it so it's not like I'm a natural athlete I'm like I I really hated it but it was my mum did it for the right reasons and I'm glad that I did it but I also think that I I had such envy of Brit like people who did dance and stuff like that I'd be like and when Britney Spears came out it, it as it not came out um she might be but like she is um i was transformed i was just like i want to be britney spears or avril levine oh, um yeah. avril levine was a big influence um still is <laughs> <laughs> she's uh, so cool oh i just love her she's why i wear bands i just imagine she wears bands <laughs> she's a skater girl <laughs> So I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I basically stopped because I didn't grow. Do you know how were the people? What it makes me think of. I have a friend who's a, who was a child actor, and she talked about how they would speak to her in the same way as they would speak to the adults and to each other. So they would basically say to her, "Hey, uh, this next scene, you have to nail this scene, or we're <laughs> going to lose a shit ton of money. Yeah. Go." And she'd be eight or something, like, "Oh, fuck this." <laughs> And I was just, it's just because, listen, my career in athleticism is very limited. But I was just wondering if you were, if they were, were they like good at children, these people? Oh, no, were... actually, that's probably what it is. Because if you lost a match, it was because you were bad, you know? And so you could learn from it and be like, well, I could have, I, you know, my mental attitude could have been better and I could have trained more and stuff. But you ultimately lost because you were worse. So it's quite difficult if, you, if that's drilled into you from a young age that you have to be better and bigger and stronger and like it's just if you're not if it's not innate and it's not something you enjoy I think that's probably what did it that probably that's probably what killed my hope. <laughs> <laughs> but I I only have good things I I and I don't only have good things to say I have a lot of negative things to say about it but I also um, I'm glad that I did it because I and I do want my children to do some form of group sport because I did singular sports mm. so I'm just it was lonely and it would be nice to, I think it, I, I'm always envy teams and I like I've got a big, big fear of groups and like I don't like lunch out lunch the idea of lunch hour scares me because it's like who do you sit with and I I think that's because I've always done everything on my own up until now so like suddenly now it's weird because I have a family and I'm like we're we're together and it's like oh I've just never really... I mean, no, I do have that. I've got that with my family. I'm one of five. I am a pack. But I've only ever done things on my own in my career and my... I don't know. I'm really rambling. I'm really sorry about this. No, it seems very... Cause it's kind of the image I have of you in a professional setting is very much that you have, like, a goal and then you do that and you get shit done. And we did a, a pilot thing at some point together and you were so good at being in control of the... I was about to say the adults. That's why my brain is all the adults who were controlling us. Uh, you were so good at saying, "I want this, this, and this." I'm not doing that, and and I was like, "Oh, this is strong." Yeah, but that's been my downfall in my career, um, <laughs> because it's really hard to to get things when you're you've got a clear idea of what you want and what. So I'm I'm fighting against something. I don't know if it'll work, and I'm actually at peace with that now. So I'm 31. I. I've had a few jobs that I've really liked. I've d- done a few things that I've made myself and I really like, but I've, I am 
at come, I've come to terms with what I'm going to be able to achieve in my career. I don't get any acting work, fine with that, because I go in like this. <laughs> we can't cast you, um, which I'm fine with now. Well, what does that mean? I don't, I don't, I'm not into the casting world. What does that mean? Well, because you... you I, I, oh, it's, it's a horrible world. Don't, don't get involved. Um, but, like, I, you basically... You sh- they have an idea of what a character looks like, and if you go in dressed like this, they're going to be like, well, why have you come in dressed like that? And, you know, like, they, I, I don't... I don't know. It's, it's, like a stub- it's very stubborn of me, but at the same time, it's quite blinkered of them. They could imagine me without glasses. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I'm just... I, I basically, I do know what I want in my career, but I'm at peace with what I'm not going to achieve, and, and I've got different goals now, and that is massively because of the babies. Um, so what, what were we saying? Well, what I, that time though, that we worked together, that was a really that was a lot la- that was the last straw, <laughs> because that was one of the only occasions where I have actually been really, like, strong about something I didn't feel was right, and it was the it was basically I had an opportunity to make a pilot finally, and I'd been in development for a long time, and then the producers just decided that they wanted to do something that I didn't want to do, and I knew it wouldn't be to my to my style so I just said I don't I'm sorry no and then it just got dropped which is fine but I do think back and think oh if I had just played ball that would have got made and I would be in a different situation but at the same time it at least I was true to myself <laughs> is that a good thing um, obviously a good thing I think it is a good thing in, in the future because it would have got made it would have gone on a channel and then people have been like that's not very good and then yeah, they and the people who were like that's really good they would hate you exactly <laughs> they'd come to your shows to see you and they'd be like that's not what we saw in that television exactly show. yeah that's a good point so I have that was a kind of a quite a formative experience in my career in the years where you were um, swimming and playing tennis Was, how was your social life in that situation? I mean, I had no social life. Oh. You can't have a social life. And also, I was, un- I think social... Oh, my God. I had such bad luck with all of my schooling and everything. And I moved schools quite a lot. And I, the, all, always the groups I was around were never really my people. And I never fit in. And then I was always away doing something like sport or, and I, or, or moving schools. So I never fit in. Um, And sport is an isolating, but especially tennis was very isolating. And so all of the girls I played with were bitches. They were really, really not fun. And because they were so driven, like, so young, and it's like stamped out of you to be like fun and to have a nice... So when I first got into... I was finally let out of this structure when I was maybe 14. And I finally could go to the park and drink with my friends. <laughs> and I... I was just, I couldn't, and I still can't let go. I can't ever just drink and just let go of all my worries and stuff, which I really actually, it's not a healthy thing to say, but I really wish I could. (laughs) Um, But so when I finally had the opportunity to go to the park and just be a normal teenager, I was still quite rigid, but it did make me realize that you can have fun sometimes. And and I did finally find, I did eventually find my friends, and they're still my friends, But it took me a really long time. And I don't think that was my fault, even though I, I can be probably a bit of a bitch too. Um, I don't think it... I think it was just chemistry. I think sometimes you just have to click with people and sometimes you just don't. And I think I'm realizing that more now that I'm about to send Donnie to school because I think there are just sometimes some really nice kids that just want to be friends. And then some kids are dicks. <laughs> so young. <laughs> How can he be a dick at four? But they are. And you're just like, oh, great. He's sitting next to him. The dick. <laughs> like, so I'm now having to like navigate that whole process and be like, how do we get my kid away from the dickhead kid? Um, which I, I'm not going to be able to do. So I'm going to have to just resign myself to the fact that he might have a difficult schooling experience like I did, but it's okay. The story of how... You got pregnant the first time. Mm-hmm. I love. Oh. 
It's, that mean, sounds it wasn't it wasn't like a worse yeah. than, it's not like he he came inside me. That, that was, that's all that happened. He just he came inside me Which one is time. So magic. One um, night. Done. It was a one night stand. Oh yeah, yeah, it was a proper proper one night stand and it has changed my life. But like I feel like it was a miracle and I'm so I I just can't believe how lucky I was to trap him. <laughs> Ever. Um, I succeeded. <laughs> it, this is my joke to myself because that's what people think. They think that I trapped him. Like there, uh, I didn't. It was like lit- I never had periods. I had polycystic ovaries. I never ever get periods. But for some reason, I forgot that I had a, a random period. And then obviously, you don't know when because polycystic ovary people don't know when they're ovulating. I had never ovulated, so I didn't know. And then suddenly, I was pregnant. And was that was was that an easy decision then? Yeah, absolutely easy, but only because um, I I really liked Alfie and I had always liked him, and I knew I just you know when you just meet someone you're like oh that's right, and yeah it was on that one we had one night together and it was just it was right but it was just wrong timing because he had he was just out of a relationship and I was one of the first girls he was having a spree he was having a sex spree and I just happened to be like number three bad timing I should have been like number 50 and then he might have been ready um so like I just thought okay I'm only number three let him go and I didn't tell him till I was like four and a half months pregnant and I by that point I was like sure that I was Oh, I, was, I, didn't want to, I didn't want to have a miscarriage and then I've told him and then feel like now we have to have an awkward friendship. You know, like, so I just thought, I'll, I'll know that the baby's okay. I'll deal with that on my own and then I'll tell him, which some people don't agree with and that's fine if you don't agree with it, but that's what I've, I was working. I, I had to hide the fact that I was pregnant because I was filming. Um, so I was like, in my head, my priority was getting this job because I was like, I've never had a job like this before. And I thought, I've just got to lie. They can't know I was pregnant. Um, and if I get to the first day of filming, then at least I'm on camera and then they can't fire me. Um, so I did that. I got to the first day and then that, that night I told him. Um, and everything was great. Like, this is really funny. I told, well, it's not funny. It's actually quite terrifying for lots of people. But um, I, the way I told him was... <laughs> The way I told him I was pregnant is I sent him a photo of the scan. (laughs) So he opens his phone and he sees a photo of, like, a text from a girl that he just had a one-night summer and it's just a photo of a baby. (laughs) Actually, I think it was a bit different to that. It was, like, something like, hey... Because after we had the one-night stand, we were going to probably see each other again. I don't think it would have been, like, just a one-night stand forever. But, like, I think uh, he... um, I joked a few weeks after being, a couple of weeks after, that when I said, I just texted him, pregnant, as a joke. <laughs> I didn't know I was pregnant. I really didn't know. And then, um, then obviously, a couple of weeks later, I find out. And then five, like four months later, I text him being like, hey, you know that joke text I sent you saying I was pregnant? Well, it turns out that it wasn't a joke. <laughs> and then the photo of the scan. I thought it was quite well done. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think he was slightly traumatized, <laughs> but it's all fine now. Yeah, you yeah. have a family. You yeah. have two kids. Yeah, and we're split up. <laughs> we're broken up. We're both heartbroken. It's fine. Actually, I'm heartbroken. I think he is a bit heartbroken too. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, I caused some damage. <laughs> Do you? In my head. If I suddenly had a kid, I don't even think I know how to be a grown-up yet. Mm-hmm. I think I would relate too much to the crying child. Mm. <laughs> be like, I know, mate. <laughs> Should yeah. we ask someone what to do? Yeah. <laughs> or does that come once you've had the baby? No, I don't oh. think it... People say it comes, but it really doesn't. It doesn't come. You have to really work at it. And my mum was just... I mean, my mum is amazing, and she, I lived with my mum immediately, and uh, so I, we, me and Alfie didn't live together until Donnie was a bit older, so we 
we it was great because I immediately had my mum helping me all the time. My sister and my brother were living there too. So it was like a weird commune type thing, which is still the way it is now. So like they've always been, I've always had lots of help and it's been a collective, but you do, something does trigger in you to be like, right, I need to now function as an adult to look after someone else. And like even little things like just getting up in the middle of the night is so hard and you've got to, you have to get up. You have to look after this person. So it's, it's really hard. And no one talks about, well, people do talk about how hard it is, but it's, it's, it's fucking hard. And yeah, but it's also amazing. Yeah. yeah. So that part's also true. And people are yeah. like... I do think it is amazing. And I, but I, I totally understand why people don't want to have kids too. <laughs> but I, uh, yeah, I, I think I would have, if I hadn't have accidentally got pregnant, wanted them. Um, yeah. Does it change something in you? Is that that is another thing I've heard? <laughs> like, does it make how much of a different person are you now than you were before? Um, I don't think I'm that different. I I definitely have more sense of security in in things, and also I have more um, I have more perspective um, about getting home. And if something doesn't matter, if I have a shit meeting or something, I can just. I do write it off quite quickly and go home. But then it's weird because this job is a very... Even though it's getting much more baby-inclusive, we do have quite a... It, you can't take the baby... Uh, the baby couldn't be here now. Um, I mean, yeah, so it, you, it, I, I go through phases of working more and not seeing them as much for a couple of weeks when usually I'm just incredibly there. And I, 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 like, I hurt with how much I miss them. Um, And it means that I operate... I have to kind of go on autopilot in the day so that I don't miss them. Uh, sorry, this is so boring. <laughs> I'm, I'm boring myself. But basically, <laughs> I get quite good at going into different modes. So I'm now, like, in, I'm now for the next... Until Edinburgh, I'm in autopilot mode where I know I'm working a lot. So I need to just man up and just get through it. And they're being looked after and they're fine. Whereas some periods I'm like... I wouldn't be able to work because I'm so in that mode. So it's made me more, more, um, I have more modes. Do you, <laughs> do you learn a lot? So my, my best friend got a baby and uh, we were looking after this. Well, she was mainly looking after the kid. I was there. But, <laughs> so he was doing something. He was trying to put a little round thing into a square thing. <laughs> it's not going to... I know the one. <laughs> It's not going to be a great scientist, is he? But, um, <laughs> and then, in, and I didn't do it, but in my head, I really wanted to be like, um, in my head, I thought, oh, come on, just fucking, fucking do it. <laughs> and obviously I didn't, but I was like, I noticed that I thought that. And then a bit later, I asked my friend, I said, isn't it weird? Like, I think I can see some of the ways I've been raised in the way I want to react to this child. And she said that when he'd been doing that, she had wanted to just take it from him and do it for him. And she was like, yeah, that's how I was raised. Oh, wow. So every time I hang out with this kid, I can kind of, I learn so much about myself yeah. in the way that I want to raise this child. Yeah, I see that too with my mum the whole time. But the other thing is really nice is seeing how your mum, parents, your gran, like some, when I hear my mum reading them a story, I am immediately just get an insight into what she might have been like with, with us when we were little and it's so nice to have that sudden like realization that they were a, a mum too um, which you, you don't remember in the same way um, yeah you know what I mean um, yeah that's it <laughs> <laughs> okay so I'll ask you a question that I always ask on the podcast um, it's based on a question that I uh, once asked Westlife Uh, on television um, and they answered really badly okay. so now I want to ask you so you have a chance to do something great oh no don't worry there's no we all know it's going to not be great it's going to be really great because it's very difficult to be worse than Westlife okay. <laughs> at answering this question okay. let's just make that very clear so the question is and it's based on the fact that most kind of interviews like the first time we ever met was when I interviewed you for a online comedy magazine that yeah. never 
Never survived. In Victoria Station, I remember. Yes. In Starbucks. Yes? Yes. Yes. Um, (laughs) So when you're asked, like interviews are, you know yourself best. So the question is basically this. What question would you most want for me to ask you? I just want to know what Westlife said. (laughs) And I'll copy them. They were like, what's your favorite album? (laughs) So boring. Of theirs. (laughs) <laughs> What's your favorite Westlake? They didn't specify it, but I think they would have been shocked if I was like, yeah, well, <laughs> Rolling oh Stones. Um, <laughs> no, but uh, what I wanted as a 13-year-old, because I was aware that they've, they'd done press the whole day, so I was aware they must have been asked the same questions over and over again, and I wanted to give them an opportunity to talk about whatever they actually wanted to talk about. Mm. You know, like Shane and his horses. <laughs> you know. Nice. That's a really good question. Um, it's basically the same question as yeah. what do you want to... Yeah. Is there anything on your mind at the moment that you just really want to talk about? Oh, what do I want to talk about? Um, I, I guess the question I'd, I would like to be able to say I would like to be asked is what, what would you like to do the most which you think you could possibly... Like, it's in your grasp. It's, it's not, like, a stupid thing. If you had to pick something, what would it be? But I don't even know the answer to that because, I've, as we've said, my, my, my hope is so low. Um, so I, don't, I think I'd be too scared to even answer that question. But I think that's quite a... Com- I think that's probably the most basic question I could have said, actually. But does that oh, mean that sorry. part of you would... <laughs> actually want to have enough hope that you would be able yeah, to Yeah, I would like to I would that's that's probably exactly it. I would like to feel like more things are possible. I think I'm quite like uh pessimistic at the moment about um, things and that re- that's kind of more towards my career than anything else. So I think it would be nice to have more at the, the same level of ambition and hope as people that are just really like you know when things happen to people you're like well yeah of course that's going to happen to them because they're just really they just thought it would happen and then it happened whereas whenever anything happens I'm like just so amazed and just like this is must be a trick this can't be real like when I got Harry Potter I genuinely thought I was going to get escorted out by security every day (laughs) and every day on set I would be just terrified I'd be like just waiting for someone to say sorry this was a mistake you need to go home uh, it's w- you're a weird person. <laughs> How did you get in? Um, so yeah, so I think I I really would love to be more opportunistic and hopeful about things. Do you know what I mean? Do you have big big goals? Do you have big personal goals, or do you just take it kind of month by month? I think I'm still kind of shocked that I'm doing this. For a job, yeah, because <laughs> the and it's weird because I have. Friends. I said that yeah, you should be. <laughs> yeah, no, I, have, I have friends who you know were born and their first thought was I'm going to be a world famous comedian and then that's what they've been working on ever since. So every single thing they experience in comedy is like yeah, tick exactly. Tick. That's what I mean. Yeah, and for me everything happened like my first gig. I wasn't even aware that I'd done it until it was over, and then the next gig happened. And then, oh, my God, I've done two gigs. And then the next one happened. And that's basically still how it is. Like, oh, yeah. my God, I've just... A tour, that's... Yeah. Whoa. So I'm but you're s- so amazing. So maybe that's actually, like, a good thing because it means you're always going to keep that... You're going to still be very present all the way through your career. I think And I'll then just, suddenly, yeah. one day, you'll realise that you've done all these things that you wanted to do. And maybe it's a good thing to be... I, well, to, be to have no hope. I genuinely think so. Do you? I genuinely think. Well, I, I, I think, think you maybe would be ha- maybe you seem very happy, but maybe you'd be happier if you had more hope. Well, we'd really all be happier if we, was, if we were dumb. Yeah. Like no, but like, do you not do you not know people who are just slower, or like who just don't? Have, okay, God, it's just a bunch of it's just a bunch of people going, mm-hmm, Karen. <laughs> no, but do you know, like I've met, I've, I know people who you, they just don't have that extra layer of personality or and it's not I'm not going to name them so this is fine it's not, if they listen they wouldn't even get it that's the beauty of it that's the beauty of it and I'm so 
I'm so jealous of it sometimes, yeah. you know, because that, that's, that's where all the, in that extra layer, you might be capable of whatever, some more things and stuff, but you're also capable of then being terrified of everything and overthinking everything and everything is so, uh, it's just so complicated. Where if you're yeah. just like... I think actually the more you accomplish sometimes, the less you think you've accomplished. So your plate just gets bigger. I try and do this plate analogy so much, and I never do it right. I, whenever I think, right, I'm going to do the plate analogy now. It's a really good plate analogy. I'm like, what, did I, what was I going to say about plates? Um, but basically, if you, if you have a, it's a portion, a big portion, it's a big plate. We all know what I'm saying. Um, you just, you just, just get a smaller plate. That's what I mean. I just want a small plate, and then I feel like I've got a big plate. <laughs> That's what I mean. I so want someone I'm, to yeah, put all of that on a yeah, T-shirt. A big, a small. You just want a small plate in your life, as your life. As the plate is your life. So yes, I I think yeah that's the end of that, <laughs> and <I> mean, my <laughs> career. <laughs> but you'll have a great career in the motivational in speaking. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should get into plate doodles, plate doodles and plates. I I think there's something good in having your expectations be a bit low. Yeah, you know, you don't. <laughs> I know this sounds pessimistic, but there is something about realism that I really like. I quite like this, you know, I'm not, like I can, I don't know, because there's something destructive about both of them, isn't there? There's something destructive about thinking you're better than you are, and that you'll become bigger than you are, but there's also something destructive in being like, oh, I'm not that good, and I'll probably never make it. I think also it's good to have, I think, I'm so hyper aware of, of realism and being true that that has been a massive um, obstacle in my relationships that I've had. Um, but in a way, I, I'm trying to... I'm, I think I'm starting to see the benefits of that because there's something quite freeing about saying, OK, I love you and you love me, but it's not working. And love isn't a fairy tale. And sometimes things don't work out and it's shit but it's okay um and it because it it means you feel like less like a you you own that failure of that relationship and means you're more likely to just go into the next one with you don't get as hurt um so i'm either building up a massive barrier which means i'm never gonna ever be happy or i'm gonna i've got more chance of being happy because i'm not i'm not expecting kind of a fairy tale which one does it feel like? I think it's probably the latter because I, I, uh, I don't, I don't want to just pretend that everything's great when it's not. And when I see my friends in relationships, sometimes I just I think you're just lying to each other all the time. <laughs> you're both miserable. <laughs> Break up. And, and you just see them, and you just see them slowly just get worse. And you're just like, well, this, why are you doing it? Because you're just both... But it's because we're so scared, I think, of not following the pack sometimes and breaking with convention and saying, actually, we want more. And I, so I'm, I think I'm, I'm at the early stages of this realisation and this process. And it, it's very scary because I don't have anyone to follow that I know that is also broken up when they have two babies kind of thing but like it's it's i i hopefully it's for the better or or basically admitting that relationships you know are varied beings and they don't necessarily all have the same root as yeah. other relationships i think that's one of the the kind of interesting things about the way we see relationships as being it's always so black and white and it's always so simplified and a lot of the advice you'll get is like taken from the same book even mm. though every single person is different from each other that means that every single relationship in the world will be different from each other and often it's just like well you should always wait three days with texting yeah. after the thing and if he says that and once a cheater always a cheater like there's yeah. so many like slogans exactly and it's you we're taught to think that you find the one and that you find somebody that ticks all of your boxes but actually say if you had ten boxes you probably only need four 
ticked. And then the, the other six you can get elsewhere from friends and family and whatever. And it's like, if people were more built, like, programmed to, like, right, I'm not looking for someone to complete me. I'm looking for someone to just give me things that are nice. Not thing. Like, I, gold. <laughs> Lots of gold. Um, but, like, you know, and I think I was crushed by that because I, I'm, I thought I will find someone that I'm going to be swept off my feet and, like, have this amazing relationship. But the truth is, it's pretty bleak sometimes, but you can still love them. And, and it's imperfect. And so I'm trying to, I'm trying to reprogram my brain and realize that I'm, I don't need that. I don't need any form of perfection in any form of my life anymore. When I think I was probably striving for that. And that, and that might be stemmed from, you know, tennis and might be stemmed from accidentally getting into a, into a fucking acting career I didn't really want and then realizing that I'm not Emma Watson. And, but, you know, like, but what do I do? I'm not Emma Watson. <laughs> you know, because that's, that's terrible. It's, it's hard not to be Emma Watson. <laughs> basically my point about emma watson is that like she's like she's like oh i can't get into it's not a podcast about emma watson is it i'll go on that podcast (laughs) i'm doing the rounds doing a lot of podcasts what's this thing i'm I'm so confused what's with oh no i'm just saying that i i i basically got onto harry potter i was 20 and she was 18 no maybe even younger jesus and um you see someone like that and you're like she was she was she was a goddess she was, like, made to be this, like... She, she was the queen there. And I just turned up. I felt like I was about to get escorted out by security every two seconds. And just seeing her... And she was actually really sweet with me, and she really liked me. Um, but then, when I went back for the last film, she didn't speak to me. <laughs> she didn't speak to me as much. Like, she... You know, I felt like I'd been dropped... But it was, it was funny, because I'd been dropped by Hermione. Like, I'd been, <laughs> been ghosted by Hermione. Um, but, like, you know, you can't compare yourself to Emma Watson's career or life, because she's had a completely different... We have to stop comparing ourselves to Emma Watson. <laughs> Do you know what I'm trying to say? Basically, yeah. don't compare yourself to anyone else. Harry Potter forever. <laughs> I have no beef with Emma Watson. I do like her. She just didn't like me. <laughs> that was too real. Too real. That's so good. I'm really happy. <laughs> that's, that's, that's like, oh no, this is really funny. Sorry, can I just say? Yeah. I, I was so, like, so thrilled that she like, thought I was cool and I was like, a bit older. And she was like, okay, so do you have any restaurant recommendations? <laughs> Do you have any restaurant recommendations? I'm going to have a date on, like, Friday night in Soho. Do you have any recommendations? And I panicked. Like, as if I would have any date places. <laughs> I don't go on dates. What? And so I just panicked, and I Googled... <laughs> I Googled restaurants in Soho. Because <laughs> I'd always walk past this place that was like, actually, it's gone now. It's become a prep, just on Rathbone Street. <laughs> And it was like a noodle bar, and I thought it looked really cool. <laughs> but I never had the guts to go in because it just looked too cool. It turns out she, she went. I told her about the noodle. And she came on the Monday, and she was like, I went to that noodle. <laughs> <laughs> I went to that noodle. She looked, she looked like it had been such a like, terrifying experience for her. She just, she, and she basically, that's for the start of our decline. <laughs> What was I meant to do? Like putting the trust in me for a date place. I once uh, was at this weird kind of, it was like an alternative comedy show at South Bank. It was like a really strange vibe. And then before I went on stage, one of the, the guy, one of the guys promoting it, he said, it would be really funny if you went out on stage and just did your whole set in Danish. And I was like, I was like, yeah, I think that's funny as well, but like they won't like it and it won't make sense. And he was like, no, it's, please do. That would be really funny. So I went out and I did this. I just started speaking Danish, and it got weird reactions. <laughs> like people weren't really sure what was happening, and it was just this weird chaotic thing. But I was only doing like five minutes, so it was kind of fun. I was just trying to speak Danish and then say a few English words, so people would w- wake up. It was the strangest thing I've ever done on stage. 
And then I went back, said goodbye to the promoter, and I went out. And as I was walking out, um, I saw in the audience Emma Watson. And I was like, oh, so shit. <laughs> oh, shit. She's oh just, so, she doesn't like me either. Did she look pissed off? Yeah, she was wearing that I Hate Jesse Cave t-shirt. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I got that made for her. <laughs> I sell them on my website. <laughs> Along with my plates. Yeah, no, she, she's, but it's, she's a good example of someone that makes you feel like shit, even though it's not her fault that she makes you. It's just, it's because you, she's just such an easy, you know, when people are placed in your life sometimes, and like, you're here to teach me a lesson. What is it? And with her, it was, your career is going to be a struggle and not, you're going to have to find your own way. And she was there <laughs> alongside that struggle. Is it you a know? competitiveness thing that makes you aware of the difference. Because when you were talking about her, she reminds me of Emma. My, I had an Emma in, um, when I was 14 at school. And she was always just a... I'm not going to say she was a bit better than me. She was, I don't know. She was just as good and then sometimes quicker. <laughs> but she was like, we were as good as each other. But then she could also sing and dance. And... And in my head, I build it up to be this rivalry. Like, oh, it's me and Emma. Because we're like the best at Danish in this classroom. So it was about who... And I was like looking at her like, right, I'm going to turn this in. Ah, I got it first. And when I think back, she had no fucking idea it existed. But in my head, I made her into be this... And I remember going to Facebook. I was like, I'll just go and see what she's doing now. Just so I can, oh, no. just so I can feel better, right? Just so yeah. I can be like, ha, ha. She works for the UN or something. Like, fuck her. Yeah. Fuck her. <laughs> but I'm also a very competitive person. Yeah. Do you think it's a competitiveness that makes you... Com- yeah. Because when you, if you do sports, you have to I think I am, I am competitive. I am really competitive, but it's kind of more with myself and my own abilities or inabilities. And I... I yeah some I do certain girl like certain guys who rejected me I kind of just they're always going to have a, like a little scar somewhere on me not a real one <laughs> <laughs> anyway that's another thing um, like uh, girls certain girls that have just like I've just got really like weird with because they they're doing well they're like like similar age like similar like. They, they just got under my skin and I don't know why and it's nothing they've done and they've actually been so nice to me and they want to be my friend and I just have been like you know just don't want anything to do with them because I don't want it to upset me out of kind of self-protection and actually it's led to me weirdly there's this one there's one particular actress who we kind of started at the same time and because we're basically with Harry Potter it meant that I was suddenly in a whirlpool I didn't really choose to be in and I was suddenly now acting or trying to act which meant that I wasn't able to do anything else because I dropped out of art school and so I was like but I don't really want to be in this whirlpool but I'm in it and I'm competitive so now I've got to fight and there was this one girl who very quickly got things um, and we would be at the same auditions and stuff and I became obsessed with her, but not in a creepy way, slash very creepy. Um, <laughs> and I, I've, ever since, I just haven't... She's actually become, like, really sweet with me and, like, follows me and stuff and my drawings and likes them, but I had to block her. <laughs> I blocked her because I was like, I just, she, uh, it just upsets me. And it's like, if I saw her, and I have seen her, and I'm like, I'm really nice to her, but I don't want her... To, she doesn't know. She's so self-assured. She wouldn't know I blocked her. Um... <laughs> But, like, I can't say to her, look, the, I actually kind of feel like I will the next time I see her. If she, I'm going to be like, you know, the, the truth is you're really amazing and you make me feel quite insecure because you're so amazing and I feel so deeply inadequate compared to you and it's not anything malicious, but I just, it's just easier for me not to have you in my periphery. I'm really sorry, blocked. <laughs> um, but I, I never have the guts to say it. I think I, I would be fine with that. If somebody said that to me, I'd be like, okay, I get it. I make you feel a certain way. That's fine. If, she said, if you said that to her and then she said, oh my God, I feel the same way about you. I think you're amazing. I can't do what you do. I have struggled with my self-esteem my whole life. Uh, I've, I can never be alone. Because I only <laughs> I've did made group, it worse. <laughs> I only did group sports, and I, so I don't know how to be <laughs> to work alone. <laughs> 
And, all, and also, I feel like that with you and Emma Watson, because she's so great and I can't stop comparing. And I don't think she likes me, and I, I yeah. send her to this Mexican restaurant that gave her diarrhea. Um, <laughs> if she said all of that to you, how would that feel? Yeah, I mean, because, yeah, it would, be, it would be so bizarre. But I do think there's a reason sometimes. I think certain people just... Their chemistry just doesn't work. You know, do you have any... Just any people that just... You, for some reason you just don't particularly warm to it's not that you don't like them I really like this girl like I think she's amazing I just know we wouldn't work gel well together like there's something about it maybe she's a Scorpio we just don't click like certain certain people like even though I do actually really like Scorpios um they're great really good really good um some of them some of them not good (laughs) What are you? Oh, we can't go to star signs. You don't seem like star sign people. I'm a Scorpio, though. You're what? I am a Scorpio. I knew you were a Scorpio. (laughs) See, this is why I fucking love Scorpios or I hate them. We'll decide. That's our our whole thing, isn't it? When two Scorpios meet, it's either like intense love or it's like fucking forever. Yeah. They're the loyalist people. Sorry. (laughs) No, can I just quickly defend uh, like horoscope stuff? Because I'm not like into it, into it. Like I don't check my horoscope, but... Like, that was the first time, um, I don't remember why I did this, but I was, like, Googling it, and I read about Scorpios. And it was a f- I think it was the closest thing I could get to a diagnosis, because mm. I was, like, 15 or something. And it was just someone describing <laughs> things that I could relate to. And there was exactly. the same feeling I got when someone said, oh, that's depression, or that's anxiety, that, like, yeah. oh, it's not me. Yeah. It's, I'm, bo- I'm born to be a bit of a dickhead. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. My brother's a Scorpio. Um, and he's a dickhead. No, he's not. He's fine. Um, he's I. The only time I've actually now I'm now anti star signs, but only because it's it's upset me. Um, usually it was only made me happier. But as I found out that my like an ex was seeing someone, and I I, I managed to see what star sign she was because obviously I stalked her on Instagram. She did a birthday Instagram, worked it out. Um, I'm not an idiot, you know. I know how to stalk. Um, so I, you know, did their full lover compatibility report and um, <laughs> paid six ninety nine for it, and um, it told me a lot of things about their beautiful possible relationship. And I, ever since, I've been like, don't trust star signs are bullshit. They're bullshit. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Right, I'll ask you um, the last question that I always ask. So, <clears throat> so you are holding yourself as a baby. You right now. What did you say? You were 31? I'm 31. 31. 31. You're 31 years old, holding a teeny, teeny, tiny uh, Jessie Cave. She's just been born. You're in the delivery room, and she is crying because there's lights and sounds everywhere, and she was just in the womb, and everything is terrifying. Um, But you know what's going to happen in the next uh, 31 years of the baby's life, and there will be lights and sounds, but it won't be lights and sounds. It'll be other terrifying stuff like other people and love and jealousy and Emma Watson. And... (laughs) The baby's still crying, and you can say something to the baby. You can't change the future. You can't change anything. But you can maybe say something to the baby that will make her feel a bit less scared, if that is what you want. What would you say to teeny tiny baby you? Um, I would say... This is probably really soppy, sorry. Um, I would say that when you're 31 and you have... A two-year-old called Margot. She's gonna see a flash of an eagle fly across the television screen, and within a microsecond, she's gonna say "eagle," even though she's never seen an eagle, <laughs> or I've I've never told her about eagles. But she now she's seen a, a flash of an eagle. She knows exactly what it is. And it's the most amazing moment. And in that moment, you realize how amazing human minds are and can be so developed, even at two. And you experience such love that actually you realize that you've experienced that amount of love that you actually can be so grateful that everything actually is okay. And you'll see her say eagle for the first time. And... Probably never again. Maybe she didn't mean to say eagle. Maybe it wasn't an eagle. Maybe it was a seagull. <laughs> but yeah, I think, uh, yeah, you're going to have, like, experience that moments of such love that it makes everything kind of okay. Yeah. 
Do you still need to remind yourself of that sometimes? Yeah, sometimes I do because I... When moments of that absurdity of, of their childhood innocence and the realisation of their brain just constantly developing and getting bigger and growing... Um, obviously not hopefully the brain just the things in the brain um, but like it makes you just so just so fucking just grateful to to like to be a human really so yeah I am I am I feel very that they put everything into perspective really um, all my Emma Watson neuroses <laughs> uh, thanks for watching Emma. Where, where, can, uh, where can people find your stuff um, well, I mean, inst- I live on Instagram. I, I have a home there. Instagram is my home. Um, and yeah, I'm just, just Jesse. Your username is? Just Jesse Cave. Just very simple. And you have a book out? I have a book out, which has been out for a while. Um, and I think it's stopped selling in shops. So don't go there. No, it's on Amazon. <laughs> it's fine. It's on Amazon. on Amazon. But yeah, no, I'm doing, I'm doing my run at the Soho Theatre in November here um, with my new shoe, show. Shoe, my new shoes. <laughs> My vans, <laughs> Avril forever. Um, I'm doing yeah. So I'm doing a show. my new show is all about my breakup, which is going to be fun, a fun breakup show. Um, but it's been it's been like it's been the best therapy. Um, and if anyone has experienced is going through a breakup or um, rejection or struggling with dating, I think it is. I, I would direct people to see me doing it badly. <laughs> Um, so yeah so I'm doing that in November which is it is on sale and stuff but yeah that's it thank you so much for having thank me thank you so much for doing I'm this. really sorry I just I feel like I went off on a tangent about like you know when you just don't like some people <laughs> <laughs> I think we know the feeling <laughs> thank you so much for doing this give it up for Jessica thank you Thank you so much for listening. I love Jessica Cave, and now so do you. Uh, quickly before I let you go, I, I know that the people who were just here to listen to Jesse, you've gone now, and that is fine. Now it's just us, the true fans of the podcast, left. Hi, guys. Thank you so much for being uh, great supporters. Do what you usually do and go and thank uh, the guest for having been a great guest. I love it when you do that. I love it when my guests come up to me and say oh my god uh, it was a year since I did the podcast I'm still getting messages from people saying that they loved it it's so great it's so so great it means the world to me another thing that means the world to me is when you decide to support uh, this podcast financially uh, because that means we can keep going that's all it means and that is so important to me so thank you to the people who donate one-off donations and thank you to the people who are patrons which is something that happens through patreon.com forward slash mopad m-o-h-p-o-d you decide how much you want to give if you give like a dollar per episode that's going to be about four dollars or five dollars per month that's what two three pounds a month it's nothing it's nothing I know it's something for some people but for most people it's nothing but for me it's huge if you all did that Oh my god, I wouldn't, I, I would never have to worry. It would be so great. We could get, <clears throat> I could go to America, I could go, uh, I could get some of the, oh, you know, the guests that, oh my, I can't, if you all did that, I w- this podcast would explode. Um, but I'm also just, I'm happy. I'm very happy. I don't know, it's awkward to ask for money, isn't it? I'm an awkward person, that's... That's why you like me, isn't it? So I want to thank the people. If you give more than $5 per episode, you become a friend of the podcast, and that means I will read your name out in the, in the end of the episode, which is always painful because I always mispronounce everything. Um, some of these episodes are pre-recorded, meaning that uh, if you just became a patron last week, you may not be on the list yet, but you will be eventually, so just give it some time. Uh, till then, I just want to say a huge thank you to the people giving more than $5 per episode. Are these absolute legends? I want to thank Kathy Draxelbauer, Robert Knowles, Eve Wingwith, Phil Vabalas, Katrina Ellingson, Rachel Furley, Zoe Cumberland, Helen Bowie, Bowie, Mouse Lost, Rachel Phillips, Morak, Morak, Mirage? No, sorry, Morak, Morak Fraser, Josephine, Josephina Larson, Rachel Ayers, Nina Collingwood, Mia Rainey, Claire McCowlin, Paul Swaddle, Sarah Allett, uh, Ronya Ronya, Robert Lee Can, Cat Posey, Ragdoll, Queen T, 
uh, Jessica, Sheena Machette, Cole, Jane Mahoney, Mansour Mia, Hannah Keel, Helena Thomas, Joe C, Perpetual Motion, Harry Minnett, uh, Cecil Fjeldtun, Rachel Hemsley, Murray Fraser, Lucy, Susie Tyler, Kirsten Davison, Purdy Patterson, Steph Reen, Ruth Harvey, Katie Hatfield, Robin Kappa, Karen Threthaway, Russell Hughes, Ida Sugolarsen, Inger Ellingsen, Emma Chan, Emma Walton, Andy Walker, Claire, Danny Beckett, Fiona Richardson, Claire Lamb, Kat Pillar, Harold Van Dyke, Eleanor, Sarah Ferrer, Eigerseth, and Daniel Rivershid. Whoosh! You people are the best. Thank you so much. I love you so, so much. I want to also thank Sarah Garvey for producing this episode, to Bailey Leonard for writing and recording the jingle, Linda Brinkhouse for the logo, and the Phoenix Artists Club, and Peter Dunbar for letting me record episodes there. I will speak to you all next Wednesday. Bye!